1: You're listening to Unity Online Radio, the voice of an awakening world.
2: to the Yoga Hour, Living the Eternal Way, offering insights and practices for spiritually conscious living today with Yogacharya Ellen Grace O'Brien from the Center for Spiritual Enlightenment in San Jose, California. To ask questions or join in the discussion, email us at theyogahour at unityonlineradio.org. Now, here's your host, Yogacharya Ellen Grace O'Brien.
3: Welcome to the Yoga Hour, our time to open our hearts and our minds to the Infinite. Yoga is the conscious realization of the divine self, intentional bringing together of our attention and our awareness to consciously abide in our essence of being, to know the truth that we are spiritual beings, and then to live in harmony with that highest truth. And today we are really blessed because we are going to be looking at how uh, spiritual life is a healthy life. And uh, we're going to be exploring the complete prescription to optimize our health, prevent disease, and live with vitality and joy. Uh, With us today on the Yoga Hour is Acharya Shunya, author of a wonderful new book, Ayurveda Lifestyle Wisdom, A Complete Prescription to Optimize Your Health, Prevent Disease, and Live with Vitality and Joy. She's an internationally recognized spiritual teacher and um, a Vedic scholar um, and a leader in the field of Ayurveda, founder and spiritual preceptor of Vedika Global Wisdom School and spiritual community in California. And you can find out more about Acharya Shunya's work by visiting her websites, Acharya Shunya, that's A-C-H-A-R-Y-A-S-H-U-N-Y-A dot com, or org. Welcome, Acharya Shunya. I'm so happy you could come back to the Yoga Hour and that we have this opportunity to learn about your new book. And as we um, begin now to prepare for our conversation, let's have a moment of meditation. Meditation. We take this moment now to simply prepare ourselves to deepen our knowledge to become more awake and more aware by being present, by being fully present in this moment. Let's call it a yoga moment, a moment of profound awareness. And we can do that by our intention, our intention to be present in this moment, simply using our breath as a tool. So feel your breath as you're breathing in, Feel the breath coming in your nostrils, the coolness of the breath, the breath filling the lungs, your abdomen, and then the ease and the warmth of the breath moving out again. As you breathe in, feel that you are diving within into the infinite ocean, of divine consciousness, the source, the substance of all that is. And as you breathe out, let go of any tension. Just let the body relax. Let the mind become open and clear and present. Just breathe. How beautiful to breathe and be aware of the breath. How beautiful to just come into this moment of divine conscious awareness. Recognizing that as there is only one reality, that reality called by many names, God, Spirit, Father, Mother, that is our life. We are that divine reality in expression, body and mind are illumined by that divine self. So in this moment of yoga, this moment of heightened awareness, know that you are breathing in God and that in reality God is breathing you You can completely relax. And let us now take that peace within us and offer that peace to all beings. Let the intention be to be awake, aware, of the divinity, not only of our own self, but the divinity of all beings, and to offer peace to all that we meet. Peace, peace. Once again, um, Shunyuji, welcome back to the Yoga Hour, and I'm... I'm sitting here uh, looking at a copy of your new book Arveda Lifestyle Wisdom and it is a beautiful book. It is complete like uh, an encyclopedia. Um, It is a book of lifestyle wisdom that a person certainly can use their whole life. It has recipes in it. Um, It has uh, the science of Arveda in it but I also want to say of course that your spirit is in it. So I found And as I was reading your book, um, the transmission of the knowledge that you have about this uh, lifestyle wisdom that is anchored um, in the Vedas, in this uh, divine science for living a spiritually awake, aware, healthy life. So... Um, tell us what uh, led you to write this book at this time and uh, maybe a little bit about that process for you.
4: Thank you. It is so wonderful to join you at this hour. And um, I think you picked up the Shakti because uh, uh, when I wrote this book, uh, Yogacharya, I. I really connected with my deepest intention, and my deepest intention I think in this lifetime has been to serve others and to heal and to make every every person joyful you know it, it, when I see sorrow it 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 deeply deeply turns me, and I start praying and connecting to source that may or may be all uplifted so when i was writing this book frankly it's a great relief that i've written it it's out there and i've given a powerful tool to to people to now and people who will come in the future because we all need ayurveda uh, ayurveda's lifestyle wisdom to show us the profound way and what led me to it was just the fact that because i was carrying this knowledge that had given to, that had been given to me in trust by my Um, you know, wisdom lineage. And so it was time for me to pass it on and and make it available to one and all, I would say.
3: (laughs) <laughs> yeah, and I feel you have done that, of course, um you have passed on the wisdom um, given to you by your grandfather, guru for you, and <clears throat> uh, wisdom uh, bearer in your lineage. But you have also done it, of course, with your unique voice, and um, part of what I see in the book, and of course, um, having the blessing of knowing you, is that... Um, There's a quality of beauty, not only wisdom, you know, but beauty. And I always feel that that's part of it, isn't it? You know, to have a beautiful life is recognizing the beauty all around us and the beauty within us, and um, and you have done that. And just, you know, just even looking at your book with these beautiful rose petals on the cover, <laughs> um, it, it kind of helps us to take a breath, you know, so many of us, um, and I think not only in the West, all over the world, uh, life has become very stressful, people, um, are, are busy and, um, so, Arveda is needed, I think, more than ever because it, it helps us to slow down and connect uh, with the rhythms of life um, and with that, with the sacred nature of, of our life. So, I feel um, that's part of the message that you carry and you um, embody. And um, so, tell us what you see in terms of how people live today, um, how they deal with the stress, and how Arveda it can help to meet that
4: need. Yeah, the, that's a very focal question, I think, for our discussion today. And the word uh, in Sanskrit for stress is dukkha. And dukkha in Sanskrit comes from the word du and kha, and kha means space, and du means when it's compressed. When When we experience a compression of space, mental space, physical space, social space, Um, spiritual space to reinvent ourselves or to renegotiate our contracts in life. All of that creates sorrow, stress, and disease ultimately. And the Ayurvedic term Sukha literally means expanded space, all kinds of personal spaces when they become expanded, uh, from taking deeper breaths um, to... um, Taking an entire day and not looking at it simply as a pallet to fill with chores, just to survive. But a day where we can maybe sip a hot tea with marigolds in them or roast fresh, fresh rose petals in them, where we can um, possibly cook a recipe that might take 10 minutes of our time, but those recipes are filled with super ingredients that were known to the yogis and the rishis and the seers of ancient India, and those uh, superfoods can only bless us, there's just nothing else the recipe is designed to do but to bless our body and mind and to improve our immunity, then what we've done is we've claimed space that was always there uh, because it's a mental perception, the pressure, the contraction, and the sense of I can only lead an automated, mechanical, zombie-like life because look at the list of things I have to do is, is really a mental conjuncture. And what I'm trying to say is in spite of this busy life, because I've written it for us busy people of the 21st century in the, you know, 2017 and onwards, I'm writing to the people here and now and I'm saying that Ayurveda's lifestyle wisdom you can actually cherry pick and fill up your day with practices or recipes or tastes or spices that are going to induce a very special pause. And that pause is a pause of well-being, of self-love and self-care. So I felt that this wisdom was more necessary than ever, in fact, more relevant than ever, and that it's going to allow us to change sorrow, dukkha, to joy, sukha, and Mm -hmm. then we feel it at every level body where, you know, health improves. And I've quoted countless studies of people who who overcame grave disorders such as ulcerative colitis or depression or even improvement in multiple sclerosis simply by really simple lifestyle teachings like gift yourself up bunch of fresh flowers every day or drink buttermilk by uh, ayurvedic buttermilk by uh, you know whisking one part yogurt and four parts water and a couple of spices together these simple things can have such a profound impact yeah because Mm. those those little practices are really gifts of sukha or joy to our being Mm. am i um I might be talking a bit esoterically, but I think your audience is used to speakers mm-hmm.
3: who talk like mm-hmm. that. <laughs> Absolutely. And, you know, um, Acharya Shunya, I feel what you have done with your book that is so critical is that you, you have given a key um, to you know, those of us who feel like there just is not time. You know, I, of course, I experience as a as a yoga I experience the same thing when I'm teaching meditation. People wonder, you know, how are they going to meditate? You know, how are they going to um, add pranayam to their day? But the truth is, these practices take very little time, and it's a matter of um, priority. And many of the things that you you talk about in your book, you know. Um, it, practices for bathing or cleansing the mouth in the morning or greeting the morning sun. I mean, these are all things that we do anyway. You know, I mean, ideally, we're taking a shower or a bath every day. We're cleaning our teeth. Um, we're eating. So um, it's not that you're, you know, putting a whole thing on top of people who are already stressed. You're saying, no, let's approach this in a different way and, in, and really uh, make it a sacred because it is. And so um, I, I see that beautiful, beautiful turning. And I, I love what you've done with this definition of, uh, dukkha, suffering, and sukkha, joy, and um, I think that's exactly right. So you've taken the same practices that we're mindlessly moving through, whether it's, you know, how we bathe. It's like we're bathing in the morning and thinking about what we're doing next. And you're saying, no, 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 wait. You can make this uh, ritual um, to become more conscious and more aware. And uh, you you really have accomplished that. Um, and there's... Uh, such a beautiful invitation into this wisdom of, Ar- of Um For for example, you, you describe it as a mystical forest. And so tell us about that mystical, mystical forest and is it available to us right now?
4: Right now it's available to us. I feel that, you know, when you walk into a mystical forest, you can expect to be greeted by a sage and that sage will say, come, rest, sit under the tree, look at the greenery, and and the sage will start speaking to us, and then we'll later realize that the sage was none other but our own higher self, our own pure being that had greeted us. So you talk about the shower and how we, you know, automate it, and it's actually a task for 99% of us, but I've, you know, and so the, in the book, I've expounded simple ways that we can bring the forest into our morning chore of you know getting a shower, putting on clean clothes, and zip out the door or in front of the laptop so say, for example my my readers would just grind some uh green mung or a whole green lentil flour, or they can buy the flour, stick it in a jar, and put it in their shower. Instead of using soap, what if they just took some of that powder, collected some water from the shower, made a little paste right there in their hand and applied it in the entire body instead of soap? Now, when you smell that green mung lentil, it's like you get transported into, you know, green lentil growing wild. And it's now known to have a direct effect upon improving the serotonin levels. And the mind feels happier. And Ayurveda has been saying it all along, that green mung, whether you eat it or smell it or apply it on your skin, it makes your mind happy. It makes yourself happy. It makes you beautiful so you know there's there is an example or if you're going to have a tub bath instead of sticking bubbles into it which have chemicals in them why not grab a couple of rose petals or marigold petals or jasmine and stick those into your bathtub so it's so simple but we got alienated from our forests. we depleted them and then we forgot about them but there is a part of us that still misses the forest because we are beings from the forest
0: mm-hmm. and it's
4: this alienation that causes a deep deep inner grief and lamentation and i feel that leading an ayurveda life for thousands of people that i've helped has been really a journey back into their own natural state into a more um in, into a more um intimate relationship with nature and to really experience her mothering qualities and to recognize that, oh, my God, I believed in all these stories about symptoms and prognosis and grave disorders and that there is no relief or I just have to live with the symptoms. And then I need these simple few things and I have this unaccountable amounts of relief and happiness and hope that's arising. What's going on? And then they come back to me and they want to thank me. And then I have to say, we all need to bow to these great yogis, these rishis, who gave us such profound wisdoms of Ayurveda and yoga. And this stuff is the truth. And, yeah, it just needs a a good, you know, a good, accountable, understanding of it. We don't want to just do a do-it-yourself version of Ayurveda and yoga, like Mm -hmm. read a blog and decide we are masters. And Mm -hmm. I guess that's one of the reasons I took my time to write the book. I took a year's sabbatical to write it, and it's like a go-to book for the rest of our life now. Mm.
3: Mm-hmm. Yeah, and it, it really you really did accomplish that and I I, I really acknowledge and congratulate you and, and I heard now it's been uh, translated into several languages which is uh, really a wonderful thing that it can um, become available to so many and before we break, I, I want to say that both uh, yoga and Ayurveda, Veda of course carry the um, wisdom of the Vedas which says that the Self, the Divine Self, capital S Yes, that which you are as a spiritual being, that self is the healer of all healers. And so these practices, simple practices that we live every day, our meditation, our conscious approach to exercise, to food, um, and all of these natural ways of living are simply about acknowledging and accessing that divine self, which is the healer within us. And given an opportunity, that divine self will bring healing, optimum health, and vitality and joy to our days. You're listening to the Yoga Hour with Acharya Shunya, author of the new book, Arveda Lifestyle Wisdom, and uh, the founder and spiritual preceptor of Vedika Global Wisdom School in California. You can find out more about her work at acharyashunya.com or Vedika global.org we'll be right back with you
2: if unity online radio has helped you grow spiritually through programs like this one please consider supporting this online radio programming visit www.unity.fm and click on donate now Thank you for helping us continue to serve as the voice of an awakening world.
3: Are you ready to live in joy? Is there an area of your life where you could use a miracle? Have you been praying for help and guidance? Come join Lisa and Bill and their guests for an hour filled with practical tips on experiencing miracles, greater abundance, focused, deliberate living, and the peace of God that passeth all understanding. Experience more joy in life. Listen to Living in Joy, Reflections on A Course in Miracles with Lisa Natoli and Bill Free every Friday at 2 p.m. Central here on Unity Online Radio, the
1: voice of an awakening world.
2: Listening to the Yoga Hour, Living the Eternal Way, with Yogacharya Ellen Grace O'Brien. We now return to the Yoga Hour.
3: Welcome back to the Yoga Hour. I'm Yogacharya O'Brien, and my guest today is Acharya Shunya, and we're um, discussing the wisdom of uh, Arveda for living a spiritually conscious, healthy, vibrant life um, that is the subject of her new book, Arveda Lifestyle Wisdom. And um, Acharya Shunya, your your book, I'm, as I mentioned in the beginning, um, is really a joy to read. Uh, I mean, besides being uh, an encyclopedia of practical information that we can you know we can all start right away to make some very positive changes in some simple simple things that that we can do and you know you were mentioning in the first segment just a simple thing like including um the green mung as a bathing aid you know that that just to take in the fragrance of it and of course the um exfoliant um potential it has and and, as you were sharing that, I was thinking, you know all these products that we buy you know that have artificial smell or chemicals um the the in the teachings of yoga, you know, we would say these are actually tamasic um, because the life force has been removed from them. And and you you know, the other day I sprouted some mung beans, and it took one day, literally, for the life force of that bean, you know, to uh, open up and begin to grow. <laughs> so it was such a demonstration of you know. What we're talking about here is prana, is life force, in that is so available to us, and it's so simple. But we we've we've somehow lost touch with that and gone for these complex things that have had all the life force stripped out of it. You know, and then we wonder why you know we're not um, feeling um, vital. So I'm so grateful that you have um, keyed us back into. Um, the force of prana, really, that's all around us in food, in nature, and how we can tune into that.
4: Indeed, um, Yogacharya, because as you know that I'm a spiritual teacher and I I give the path to, um, you know, self-realization to my students. But uh, by the way, what are they eating? Are they eating prana-less foods? What are they applying on their body? How is their lifestyle? Is it disconnected with the sun, moon, and the wind? Or is it connected to the vital changes that are happening such as changes in the daylight in a 24-hour rhythm and you know over the seasons in a 12-month rhythm these chronobiological rhythms affect the consciousness of my student and uh, you know it's literally one food at a time and uh, one exercise at a time that we are creating our life legacy and Mm -hmm. that is why um I took the time out to write an Ayurveda book first more than even a book based on the knowledge of Upanishads because I Mm -hmm. in my case, I felt that I had this knowledge and I almost needed to give it because it's like Spirituality 101. Yes. (laughs) Uh Tiri eating right. And I know you do that because your yoga teachings are not... You have an Ayurveda department and you too focus on all of this. And, you know, because I have found that um, if you are really sincere, then we're going to curate our entire life in the mission and quest of self-realization. And mm-hmm. us, how can our food be left out of it? So Right. And, you know, and so I was so going to say we I find in...
3: Uh-huh. I'm sorry, Shunji. I was going to just say we find even in our core teachings in the Bhagavad Gita, for example, that says, you know, yoga is not for someone who doesn't sleep right or eat right. Um, <laughs> you know it's it's right there and yet of course when we come to the path we want to know you know why we are not experiencing the ecstatic states of Parmansa yogananda um and a lot of it is very simple you know we, we right we have the things are
4: not going to settle in and you know support your quest bottom line <laughs> and, exactly. and that is why krishna you know expounds on and on about food and exercise and pranayama and you know, and it's and and that's where the entire Ayurveda in chapter six flows out right there.
2: Mm-hmm, so exactly. um,
4: yeah, so that's why I have this book organized in you know neat sections such as sleep, sex, exercise, food, you know, awakening, elimination, and it's easy for us reader to just dive into whichever area feels like there is dukkha or stress and suffering there and start easing it out with wisdom that i didn't make up but it's 5000 years old it's tried mm-hmm. and tested and ayurveda has converts worldwide who you know who who can give testimony to its um, amazing power to balance the body and heal the mind and restore the being back on their original life purpose, which is to know who I am.
0: Hmm.
3: And you know, Srinya Ji, I, I want to offer um, um, thanks, of course, not only for the the beautiful book, um, but the way you have structured it, and and the fact that you have included sex, which we rarely find in um, spiritual books, um, which is too bad. You know that that somehow, you know, yoga, um, Vedanta is all about healing the split. You know, it's all about healing the split of body-mind consciousness, healing the split between us, healing the split between us and our world. You know, it's all about that. But somehow it still persists, you know, this idea that, you know, enlightenment is, um, is for the celibate few, you know, the monks or the, the nuns. Um, and, and somehow that has gotten distorted, you know, that is not the wisdom of, that we got from the rishis. Um, the wisdom that we got is about leading a natural conscious life. And, um, you know, my guru has been so strong in that as an American yogi um as someone who's married has a family and still living in the tradition as other gurus in our lineage have done and so i i'm so grateful that you didn't leave that out of your book because it's problematical for students they think you know how can i be a sexual being and an enlightened being at the same time don't you find that
4: yeah it's very unfortunate that this um the private decision of a few beings there'll all be all kinds of decisions taken by handfuls of humanity to be celibate and completely celibate has become the norm, <laughs> and uh, it's such a false construct. And uh, brahmacharya has a complete different meaning than what it's, you know, understood. And so therefore it was important. And in my first chapter itself, I start with the word Muruta which means the morning, um, the, the, the time for uh, communion with the Supreme Source. And then I talk about brahmacharya uh, extensively in my last chapter. So I connect this brahmacharya or sexual journey uh, with uh, understanding that I'm a spiritual being, and so I do not have to be, um, I do not have to be in an excess or a deprived mode. I can be in a wisdom mode with my sexuality, and I can truly, um, you know, utilize it to be in a greater communion with all of nature. This sexual energy is spiritual energy um any kind of deviation from it uh, because of certain erroneous belief systems is really creating the root for psychosomatic disorders and personality issues down the road and also the the whole uh, you know new era of fallen gurus mm-hmm. and um uh, when we look at the vedic rishis uh, who who are the father and mother of these knowledge systems yoga ayurveda vedanta we find that they were either happily married or they had beautiful lovers, mm-hmm. and there is even the evidence of romance and love in the Rigveda. So how could these ancient beings create a distorted, extraordinarily mm.
0: stark
4: and um, different kind of a path if, if because the enchanted forest is enchanted with truth and with reality mm. and not with some crazy-making, God-pretentious spells. In fact, I was so surprised when, as you can see, that this book has been endorsed by just about every important leader in wellness and you know yoga spirituality, including yourself. Thank you, Yogacharya. But there was this one um, yogi uh, who... Uh, said, oh, I'm sorry, I love your book and I believe in every word, but it endorses sex, so I cannot endorse it. I'm like, like, thank you, I don't need your endorsement. I'm sending you a sympathy card. (laughs) Uh, And that's why in, in my teachings, I am always, I'm not... I'm always endorsing that you know sexuality goes through cycles so there is a time when our sexuality blooms like every other living flower on this planet but there is a time when it will start for lack of better words I will just say fading And we can let it fade, but the sexuality becomes potent in the higher chakras, as in in connection with God, and our creativity, and our poetry, and our art, and our literature. So even this act of writing the book is really also partnered by my own sexual energy. And Mm -hmm. I dare anybody to deny that, because sexuality Mm -hmm. creates, and I've created through my intelligence, so uh, my beauty, my, my, my skin, my luster, they say that all of this, according to Ayurveda, is due to shukra, the sexual tissue which lives not only in the reproductive organs but also in each and every cell and that is what, uh, when that starts fading is when we start fading and it's the end of life. So Mm -hmm. we hope this is what the Rishis want that may we remain fertile to the last day on earth, and uh-huh. what that really means is no we don't want more babies, but we mm-hmm. may want to write great book or be creative or think of new methods of communion and mm-hmm. so there is a wise discernment around our sexual potency, not just locking it up and, you know, mm-hmm. closing it off and, you know, looking um, frigid and feeling frigid and then saying, mm-hmm. oh, I'm just feeling spiritual.
3: Right, exactly. And it's so I'm so grateful, once again, that you included that because the truth is that uh, a, a yogic lifestyle, an Ayurvedic lifestyle is, is about wholeness. It's about including all parts of our life And um, in a sense, um, I I would say making them holy. I mean, they are, and bringing that to our. Awareness. So living a conscious life, living a holistic life. And you, and you were blessed with, um, you know, birth in a, um, family that, um, was aware of this tradition and having your own grandfather as example and as guru for you who taught you this ancient science of the Vedas and our Veda in particular. And, you know, how, how to live a conscious life. It's, um, in, within the context of family. So you, you were blessed, you know, not only with this Vedic wisdom from a guru, but also right in the heart of family life. So, um, you know, part of what blesses your book, of course, is the presence of your, um, beloved grandfather, your guru, who you refer to as Baba, but the teachings that were transmitted. And of course, at the heart of yoga and Arveda, both, um, is this key piece that that it really comes alive when the teaching can be transmitted from, you know, one awakened being um, to another awakening being. So um, tell us about Baba and your experience and and how this infuses the book.
4: Yeah, the fact that I was born in such a family was... uh, not immediately known to me why, you know, the significance of it one doesn't know. One is born in a family and one thinks that that's that. But then as I started noticing the people around my Baba, my grandfather, and learning about our our lineage and how it extends back, you know, many, many, many generations back in the same area in India, in Ayodhya, in Northern India, and that we have been um, living and teaching the wisdom of the Upanishads, Vedanta, Bhagavad Gita, Yoga, and Ayurveda for countless generations was was very interesting because uh, I, it probably explains why from, ch- from childhood I had a fascination for this wisdom. And I remember... Trying to feel very grown up, but I was really only nine or ten years old, sitting in my Baba's classroom along with his uh, shaved head students, <laughs> and um, you know feeling like, wow, I didn't want, I didn't want to miss a word. And uh, you know, of course, I ha- also had regular schooling, and I also wanted to have playtime and climb trees and you know pluck mangoes and guavas and do all of those childlike, beautiful things one does. But at the back of my mind, I'd keep contemplating on some of this. And of course, I didn't have great big insights. I was a child, but I became familiar with words like satyam or ahimsa or parampara. So, you know, these words were important to me. And of course, uh, when Baba gave me the mission to keep teaching and keep serving, it now all makes sense my entire life purpose became more clear as a result. And uh, interestingly, Yogacharya, when I was writing this book, as you know, that I am a preceptor, a teacher, and the founder of a school, which is, you know, now completing its 10th year of service and teaching, I, I, I was totally planning on coming from this space as a narrator, you know, from a space of, you know, I've taught, I've healed, and I can do that. But there jumped in this nine-year-old inner child who said, yep, let's write a book. <laughs> mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And she, she was, you know, full of wonder and excitement. And so we co-authored it. And I think the most precious pieces which I'm hearing from our readers is these reminiscences of, you know, by this nine-year-old of her conversations with baba her experiences learning ayurveda and you know the vedic spirituality which is at the root of everything i think it makes the book more endearing overall what do you think
3: Oh absolutely it, it it is very precious and it's engaging and so you know many uh, ayurvedic books can be helpful but they're really um you know um dry <laughs> and you know you're learning about vata pitta kapha <laughs> you're learning about what the effect is of different herbs and, um, it's, it's like reading a science book. I mean, it is reading a science book, but your book, besides having the science in it, has heart in it with the wisdom that, um, you know, we, as human beings, we tend to remember um, stories um, and feelings more than we do the the cold hard facts, and so your book does a wonderful job of connecting the heart and the mind and the body, um, which of course, which is what you know, Ayurveda is is all about. Um, I especially liked the the way um, in your teachings you have. Um, Emphasized the importance of a conscious beginning to the day, and you and you tell the stories of you know how you learned that um, from Baba uh, with a visit to the river every morning. How, what a beautiful, beautiful thing that is!
4: We are fortunate to have River Sarayu, which comes down from the Himalayas and flows through our city, and then goes back and joins the Ganges. Uh, as a testimony to my journey, my life journey and the life journey of my counters and sisters, so whenever I encounter this river, when I go back home, yogacharya, I feel like um, oh, it brings tears to my eyes. I feel like I'm just joining my mother
0: who's mm-hmm. and and mm-hmm.
4: uh, one of one of the rituals that we Vedic people do is if we have a water body that's flowing especially it's ultimately flowing towards the ocean, then it becomes symbolic of our own inner quest to merge into that nameless, faceless, inexhaustible, boundless source. And so we get up every morning and um, no matter what is the season, which is part of our sadhana or our spiritual discipline, we walk to the river and, uh, you know, we, we immerse uh, either our entire body or part of the body, or at least we sprinkle a few drops of that water and chant a, a mantra. And the mantra in our family is the Gayatri Mantra, and we would do that. And so my grandfather, I don't know when, at what age, maybe three, I started accompanying him, holding his hand. And the fun part was that a couple of street dogs, which are common in India, would start following us too, so it would be a very sober procession, (laughs) walking every morning to the river, and these dogs would hang out with us, and, uh, you know, we would do our morning pranayama meditation, and uh, greeting the river every morning, and that is where Baba was uh, generous, because Baba was a quiet person, he was a man of very few words, and mostly silence graceful silence. So, but in the morning, I think the early morning dawn in the river, he'd get filled up with rasa, with delight. And he would share with um, his students or when I was there, of course, with me, some of the most breathtaking conversations. And he taught me meditation, etc. there. And back then, you know, I didn't know what an impression this was having on me because half the time I didn't understand him intellectually, I didn't understand him, but at a heart level, I did. Mm -hmm. And conversations are what I'm unpacking till today, honestly, Yogacharya. I really am. At age fifty, sometimes I understand the thread of a conversation and what was really <laughs> meaning. And yeah, that is <laughs> and the, the case. That's goals. the case with me and
3: my guru as well. You know, the seeds are planted and then they blossom uh, through our life. And and I'm so glad that you mentioned this rasa, this um, delight of existence, because it reminds me to tell our listeners, if you're listening in real time in April 2017, that you. That uh, Acharya Shunya and I will be offering a retreat together, a retreat for women called uh, The Delight of Existence. And uh, this is going to take place at the new um, beautiful um, campus in the Redwoods in Scotts Valley, California. Uh, that is called 1440.org. And so you can find out our, about our retreat at 1440.org. It's going to be June 25th through 30th, uh, The Delight of Existence. And they came up with that name um, for this new multiversity. They're calling it 1440 because there are 1,440 minutes in a day. And so, um, they, you know, the question is how are we... Um, how are we consciously living those moments in our day? And it's going to be a joy to share that uh, retreat with you, uh, Shunyuji, and also, of course, uh, on our very near horizon to welcome you back uh, to the Center for Spiritual Enlightenment on Sunday, uh, coming up uh, April 30th in the afternoon from 2 to 4. We'll have an opportunity to learn more about your book and your teaching. So, um, you're all invited. Go to csecenter.org to find out about that. Um, Shunyuji, before we um, conclude our conversation this morning, I was thinking about, okay, this is so beautiful, this idea of every morning, you know, getting up at the sunrise and going to the river and either bathing the river or just, you know, putting your hands in, tossing some water over your face. But, you know, most people who are reading your book, um, who are studying yoga and Ayurveda today um, do not have a river. You know, we turn on a faucet. <laughs> and so, um, you know, how how do we translate that? Um, You know, we we say, well, I can't do that because I don't have a beautiful river to go to. So what do you say about that?
4: Yeah, that is why those stories uh, take us back to a different time and era. But then I keep coming back to, you know, what's happening here and now because my body, my mind, my being lives here in the 21st century. And um, I you know, have made every moment sacred um, by the intention that we bring into it. So I have, you know, talked about how we can have mantras and affirmations right there in our shower by turning on the faucet because we have to ultimately know that all water is one. And um, probably we can go out in our backyard and take a cup of water in from a faucet and then pour it to the rising sun. We all have a terrace or a balcony or a backyard And, uh, you know, and so this is how we connect in our modern apartment or urban living, so to say. And it works because we have been taking these great traditions, simplifying not their essence. We keep the authentic essence, but we simplify the practices. But ultimately the result is the same. And as we connect with the water in our hand, in a cup, to the rising sun, to the pure morning air. I have noticed depressions are lifting, cancers are disappearing, you know, all kinds of happy sukha um, bestowing, you know, energies are surrounding us. So apparently there is merit in not... Just discrediting, or not discrediting, but ignoring those rituals, but trying to adapt them into our modern life. Even today, what I have in my backyard is a swimming pool. (laughs) So Mm -hmm. what I do is I take, I take a cup of water every morning. I've set aside a cup and I fill it up with water the night before. And in the morning, I ask the permission of some flowers in my backyard, if they would like to be part of my ritual, then I might add a perfect daisy or a few rose petals to my water, and then I pour it back into the soil, back into the earth. But while I do it, I'm chanting. Or um, if we don't chant, we can even say something beautiful like, I am blessing this whole world with peace and beauty Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. and truth. And then we know that what we set out in motion
3: will come back to us. And bless us. It's beautiful you've, you've translated these rituals very simply um, for getting in touch with the self. You know, as I as I mentioned, you know, we, we look outside of ourselves, you know, for something or someone to heal us. But really the journey of yoga and Ayurveda is a journey to... Um, an internal locus of control, uh, an internal source of wisdom to stop looking outside of ourselves and and to learn how to connect um, with that sage, um, with the divine self. Uh, within, it's such a joy to have you on the program this morning, Acharya Shunya. And, and before we conclude, uh, I would like to ask you, um, you know, if we have any listeners who are just totally new to this, you know, how, how would you, how would you tell them to get started? I know in yoga, we always say just, you know, one step at a time, you know, like like begin meditating every day, even for five minutes or 10 minutes. Start there and then, you know, gradual step-by-step changes. So what do you say um, if someone comes to you and they're totally new to this? How do they begin to make this change in their life?
4: It just simply begins with uh, knowing this fact that the word Ayurveda itself means, you know, the wisdom of life. It's a perennial stream and it 's been it 's carrying you anyway, you know nature is carrying us anyway, so I say, begin with noticing the change in the light and how different organisms, plants, and animals are connecting with it, and they are changing their cuisine, they are changing whether they rest or they move based upon what 's happening in nature as we begin to become more observant, pausing and observing all of this nature. That's orchestrating great intelligent behavior all around us, then we too shall be called into that behavior. And then when they begin reading the book, they will realize that what they, it's not like they are learning something so elaborate that they have to do a PhD to benefit from it. Rather, they will be relearning what they already know deep inside. So, and trusting that if they are already yoga students or yoga teachers or they have benefited from yoga at any point of their life, they should know that Ayurveda and yoga are sister sciences and they both talk to the spirit and uh, they have to be simple and easy and appealing to the heart. So they should approach Ayurveda as mothering wisdom and not fear it at all and just start with simple things that you shall find in your classes or in my book or in any other book and one change will lead to another change and gradually over let's say a decade or 5 years or even a whole year of living ayurveda you'll notice a huge difference when you turn back and look back you'll say oh my god what mm-hmm. all have i what all have i achieved how well i'm feeling
3: it's it's really true, and I can feel the blessing uh, that you offer as you as you say that, and that's certainly been my experience. That you know we find that one point, which really I think rests on our you know what is called our sankalpa that you um, you know speak about in your book as well. You know our intention. Um, then to begin to live a more spiritually conscious life, a healthier life. Um, and we have the wisdom to do it. And the wisdom is within us. And, uh, in, in your beautiful book, you, you have offered so many ways that, that we can begin to connect with this inner wisdom. We can begin to slow down. Um, <laughs> I could say slow down and smell the roses, <laughs> you know, um, and li- literally begin to be aware of nature. Um, connect to our own uh, divine self and get ourselves uh, lined up with the rhythms of nature. Thank you so much, Acharya Shunyaji, for for being on the Yoga Hour today. Um, It's always a joy speaking with you, and I want to remind listeners that they can find your book uh, at Amazon or any of the book outlaws outlets. It's Ayurveda Lifestyle Wisdom, a complete prescription to optimize your health, prevent disease, and live with vitality and joy. You can find out more about uh, Acharya Shunya at her website, acharyashunya.com or vedicaglobal.org. Um, the Yoga Hour is a service project of Center for Spiritual Enlightenment, a meditation center in the Kriya Yoga tradition. CSE welcomes people from all backgrounds who are seeking self and God realization, a path to a spiritually conscious fulfilled life in today's World. Uh, CSE's headquarters are located in San Jose, California, um, where you can study yoga philosophy, learn to meditate, worship uh, with others uh, in a non sectarian tradition, learn about Kriya Yoga. Practices. Teachings are offered globally um, through online programs, outreach, and our publications. For more information about CSC, visit csccenter.org. And my thanks to the Yoga Hour team uh, Dr. Laurel Trujillo, uh, Reverend Ann Hayes, uh, Nita Kenyon, and Anandamai Smith, all, all of you supporting Yoga Hour, and the ever present, ever supportive Jeff Comfort in the sound booth at Unity Online Radio. Our thanks to unity online and again thank you Acharya Shunya and um, many blessings on the continued success of your book
4: thank you so much thank you
3: and uh, to all of the listeners remember to let your inner light shine to share your peace and your joy with all that you meet you make a difference you really do Om Shanti
2: bye now Thank you for tuning in to The Yoga Hour, Living the Eternal Way, with Yogacharya Ellen Grace O'Brien. Join us every Thursday morning at 10 a.m. Central, 8 a.m. Pacific, for practical, purposeful methods for spiritually conscious living every day. The Yoga Hour, Living the Eternal Way, only on Unity Online Radio, the voice of an awakening world. you ever noticed that when you cheat or lie or don't support a friend and then realize what you've done an inner alarm goes off it's a kind of moral wake-up call you know you've done wrong and you don't feel good about it or about yourself by experiencing the emotions and accepting the consequences of what we've done we can begin to accept and change ourselves When you know you've done wrong, admit the truth, even if it's only to yourself and one other person, perhaps a counselor or minister. Then, if there's a way to make amends, to set the situation right, do so and clear the air. Finally, renew your commitment to live in your own integrity. When you do, you'll benefit with good health, good relationships, and self-esteem.
1: This message has been brought to you by the Association of Unity Churches International. To find a Unity Church near you, visit www.unity.org.
0: Let go of everyday worries and find your calm with positive prayer from Silent Unity, the newest in voice-activated technology, available on any Alexa-enabled device like the Amazon Echo.